This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Here on a Friday night, we are in Myrtle Beach at the Sheridan Four Points for the South Carolina High School Football Coaches Association Winter Clinic. I can always tell when I'm in the right spot for a football coaches clinic because the parking lot is filled with pickup trucks. There are pickup trucks galore out in the parking lot. It's jam-packed. Got hundreds of high school football coaches from across the state of South Carolina here mingling with a number of college coaches. In fact, practically... The entire Clemson staff is here. The Gamecock staff has not gotten here yet. I know that they are doing some clinic stuff tomorrow, but they're not here at the social hour this afternoon. But the Clemson staff is here pretty much in full. Not Dabo Sweeney, but assistant coaches. In fact, I had a chance to talk with Garrett Riley, the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, just to say hello. Not able to do an interview with him. I would love to. But Clemson policy does not allow for that to happen without going through proper channels. And on short time, short notice, that would not be doable. But we did chat for a good bit. Super nice guy. Excited to be where he is at Clemson. Making the transition. Got the family in town with him. And just sort of getting a lay of the land and feeling things out and meeting people and glad-handing and knowing that every time Clemson has the football, Clemson fans will be expecting a touchdown and nothing less. He understands that. So he's ready to go at Clemson, and it was nice talking with him, but I've seen some of the other Tiger assistant coaches walking around as well here today. And we may grab a, a, a subject or two and drag them over to us if we find you know some people who are, I think, interesting enough to interview here on Sports Talk. Otherwise... We will update everything that's going on today with the opening of the college baseball season. We've got, of course, uh, racing at Daytona this weekend with the 500. We've got golf out in Los Angeles. We have got basketball tomorrow, so we've got a full boatload of things to talk about here on the program. If you would like to join us, the phone number is 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to reach us here on Sports Talk. Like I said, I am here in Myrtle Beach. Pat Daniel is back at our studios in downtown Columbia. And Chris Bergen is joining us tonight from the Bergie Palace, fresh off a call of a victory by Coastal Carolina last night over Georgia State in college basketball. And I have to say, Chris, with all honesty and with complete humbleness, when I listen to you doing play-by-play, I think of you as the second-best play-by-play announcer that I know personally with, of course, me being number one. But you're close behind. Congratulations. I appreciate that. I enjoy those lofty expectations, my friend, and thank you for those kind words. Yeah, it was nice to see Coastal. They, that If anybody needed a win, it was that program and Cliff Ellis. They have had a, a tough month of February. They've had to retool their team without their third-leading scorer and best rebounder in Isan Mustafa. 
who's out with a, a shoulder injury and may not return this season. Certainly it's probably out for the remainder of the regular season tournament we'll see, but uh, they've had to retool what they normally like to do, and they've opened the floor a little bit in at least the last two ball games. even though they didn't beat James Madison last Saturday. They've adapted to it pretty well, and Antonio Day had a big game for them last night, and they were able to win by, by nine in the game that they pretty much kept Georgia State at bay, and that was one that they desperately needed. Got another opportunity for them tomorrow against Texas State on a senior day. Believe it or not, the regular season, at least at some of the group of five mid-major level teams, is starting to come to an end. It is. It is. And uh, looking forward to being over there tomorrow. But in all seriousness, uh, you, and I think people would agree, you run rings around me when it comes to play-by-play. You're an excellent play-by-play guy. You do a terrific job painting the picture. And I'm not just blowing smoke. I I felt this way about you before you join our operation. I've always thought you were an excellent play-by-play guy. Your inflection is right on target. You're a pro. You know when to emphasize certain points and when to let it slide. So congratulations on doing a great job with that. Enjoyed listening to you last night. Meantime, college baseball today. And, man, South Carolina, after kind of a sluggish start against UMass of Lowell, has taken it to the UMass of Lowell team. It is 18-2. And, you know, they can play the 10-run rule now at at the end of seven. But it had to be agreed to prior to the game. So I don't know if it was agreed to or not. But the Gamecocks are leading 18-2. They have played uh, six innings at Founders Park. And uh, the Gamecocks, like I said, it was um, it was tight early. It was a 2-2 game going to the bottom of the third, and the Gamecocks scored three times, then five in the fourth, one in the fifth, and then seven in the sixth. 18-14-0 for the Gamecocks, 2-3-1 uh, and one for UMass Lowell. And as far as some of the hitting numbers for the Gamecocks, obviously they've had a bunch of them. I said 14 hits. They've got uh, five home runs. Horning's got a homer. Wimmer's got a homer. Messina's got a homer. And McGillis, the transfer from Southern Miss, hit a homer on his first Gamecock at bat, and he has hit a second homer. So they've got five home runs on the day. Sanders started. He went four, allowed three hits, two runs, both earned. Walked one, struck out three, faced 18 batters allowed a double, hit one, and he struck out three. Nope, 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 I'm sorry. He struck out... um, Yeah, three. You were right. I was right? Okay. Yes. Why am I... Oh, I skipped over. Okay, you're right, three. And then Hicks replaced him, and he's gone uh, two innings, and he has struck out two. He's not allowed a base runner. So, South Carolina... Got to like the start, 18-2. to two. Now, Clemson also doing well. They're in the bottom of the seventh. Tigers are leading Binghamton 8-1, to 8-9-0 and 0 for the Tigers, 1-4-4 four four for Binghamton. You were watching that game, and you were telling me defensively Binghamton is pretty sad. <laughs> Pete Yannity is actually doing the uh, broadcast. I think it's on the ACC Network, or at least the ACC Network Plus uh, this afternoon. And Pete made the comment that I believe this is just the – or they had, rather, today may be the fourth day, but they only have three days outside in which to practice during the preseason to get ready for Clemson. 
yeah. probably not the best scenario. And you understand that. That's what happens when you get these northern teams to come down. They just want to get outside and play. And hence the reason that South Carolina and Clemson are combined 26-3 to with the lead going into the latter half of the innings. But, yeah, Binghamton has kicked it all over the place. Shortstop's made an error. The third baseman's made an error. I think the first baseman has an error. I, I don't think the coach has an error, and he may be the only one on the team. So you, hmm. you start feeling sorry for these teams who just uh, – what do you expect from them? I mean, they just can't get outside and play because of the weather. is It's so cold and so rainy and snowy and the like. They just can't get outside. So everything they have to do is probably inside their gymnasium or inside the you know, football practice facility if they're fortunate to have one. And I just, you know, this is what you get. And I, I, my, my guess is Eric Backage is sitting over in the Clemson dugout this afternoon thinking – this is exactly why I'm glad I'm not in a northern school anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's exactly excited to be playing a team like Binghamton, who's not ready for this. So the Tigers broke it open with three in the third. It was a two-to-one game. They scored three in the third, three in the fourth. As far as who's been delivering the hits, Grice has a couple of hits. Wright is four for four. He's got three RBIs. He's got two home runs. On the day. So great start for him. And those guys have been toting the lumber. Ammon started, went five innings, three hits, one run. It was earned. Struck out nine, faced 18 batters, and threw 72 pitches. Hoffman is on now. He's worked two innings. He's given up a hit. He has walked one. And so Ammons must have been really sharp with nine strikeouts. But again, you're facing a team that's really not ready to see the quality of offense and pitching that they're facing against Clemson. The Coastal Carolina game, because of the weather that moved across the state, eventually got here to the beach, and it's rained much of the afternoon. It was clearing as we were going on the air, and the Coastal game was slated to start a little bit after 6 o'clock as they were playing uh, in their tournament over at Coastal Carolina over in, um, in Conway, not too far from where we are here in Myrtle Beach, and we'll keep you up to date on that one as it progresses as Coastal Carolina uh, opens its season. As a matter of fact, they are underway against Fairfield, and they are down two to nothing. They gave up a two-run homer in the top of the first. Not exactly the way Gary Gilmore drew it up, but they are down to Fairfield now, two nothing, going to the bottom of the first. Uh, some other scores to tell you about: NC State leading Wagner fourteen to one. That's in the ninth. Georgia losing to Jacksonville State eight to five, and they are in the home half of the ninth. Oklahoma State leads Missouri 5-3, going to the ninth. Elon leads Kentucky 2-0, bottom of the eighth at Elon. Wake Forest up 8-0 on Youngstown State in the seventh. Vandy over TCU 3-2, bottom of the sixth. Seton Hall leads North Carolina 6-4, top of the sixth. I'm seeing a lot of big names on the bottom side of the scores here. Mississippi State 6-2 on VMI in the sixth. Alabama 11-2 on Richmond in the seventh. Duke 11-0 over St. Joseph's in the seventh. Pepperdine leads Boston College 5-0 in the seventh. The Citadel hammering Delaware State in the sixth, 16-4. Georgia Tech 15-5 over Miami of Ohio after four. Winthrop and Long Island are 2-2 after five. Presbyterian leads Georgetown 3-1. In the fifth, Ole Miss 7-2 over Delaware in the fourth. And that is what we have for games in action at this particular time. 
You know, Phil, one thing about the uh, Gamecocks and Tigers today, and, and I realize, again, it's against really weak competition that they'll certainly get a, a much, much better gauge of themselves as the season moves along. But first off, from USC's perspective, got to like what Monty Lee has brought to that offense with five home runs this afternoon, 14 base hits. Obviously, uh, Monty Lee has worked really nicely settling in as the hitting coach over at USC. And from Clemson's perspective, and again, maybe this isn't the way Backage will play all season long, but how about 10 stolen bases today by the Tigers? Whoa. They are going to be obviously very aggressive if that keeps up this season. Yes. that's how, Look, it's all good. It's one of 56. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, don't exactly. get ahead of ourselves. Uh, they're both going to be facing a lot better teams, including each other, as uh, we move forward. But it is good to get off to a good start. We've seen years where they've lost season openers, and mm-hmm. people are like, uh-huh. But you can't judge anything by really – the first couple of weekends, you can't judge anything by what happens in the USC-Clemson series. and But it's, you do want to start and build some confidence. I think both of these teams need as many wins as they can put together just from a confidence standpoint considering the Gamecocks had a losing season last year and Clemson didn't make the tournament last year. So they need something good to happen for them, and this is a good way to start. Uh, let's update what's happening at the Genesis Invitational, Pacific Palisades, California. It's where I have my second beach home, by the way. And we need to do a show out there at some point in time. So Keith Mitchell, a 69 today. And he is at 9 under par after a 64 yesterday. At 8 under is Colin Morikawa, a 68 on top of a 66. Max Homa, still on the course. He's 7 under for the tournament. He's even for the day. And Lee Hodges is there, tied for third as well. Also on the course, he's seven under for the tournament, three under for the day. All right, let's look at some of the others that we like to follow. Rory McIlroy, a 69, six under. John Rahm is on the course at five under, one over for the day. Matt Kuchar is five under, even on the day. Scotty Scheffler is 68, he's four under. And Tommy Fleetwood is 70, he's four under. Adam Scott is three under on the course. Jason Day is two under. He's still playing today. Justin Thomas, who's played with Tiger Woods and with Rory McIlroy in the first two rounds, he is in at one under with a 73. Ricky Fowler's on the course at one under. Cameron Young is even after a 74. Tiger Woods slumped this time down the stretch. Remember, he finished yesterday with three straight birdies to come in at plus two. Today, it was the opposite. He played the back nine first, so he was playing the front nine as his last nine. And he went to six, and he was two under par. And it's a par three, and he hit his drive onto the green, but it rolled off because the green has a a ledge to it, a ridge, a ledge. Didn't get it up on the upper shelf. The ball rolled back down, but still on the green. And he looked at it, he looked at it. The announcers thought he might take a wedge and try and chip it on the green and pick it clean. Though you can leave a divot on the green if you are using a wedge. You just have to repair it, or the superintendent has to come out and repair it. Yeah, they don't but have the to other, repair it. The other <laughs> tricky part about all this was this green has a bunker built into the green, embedded into the green as a small bunker. And he was to the... He was at the back of that bunker, behind that bunker, a little bit to the left. So his play was to hit it to the left of the bunker, up the hill, and curl it towards the pin. That was his plan. But like 
you, me, Pat, and about, you know, 100 million other golfers, he didn't hit it hard enough, and the ball curled right into the bunker. <laughs> it went right into the bunker. Now, the announcers were saying, the analysts were saying, well, he might have been planning to do that and then blast out of the sand and try to hold it out. He did hit a shot out of the bunker pretty close, and he made the bogey putt. But my point is, from there, it was um, not good. He finished with a 74, plus three, plus one for the tournament, and the cut is plus one. So right now, the projected cut is plus one, and he is right on the cut line. You know television and all of golf is praying that the cut line does not move. So you're telling me you can't take seven, eight, nine months off and then turn around and go compete with the best players in the world is basically what you're telling me. No, I'm telling you that, you know what? (laughs) He's tied for 66th, which means there's about, I don't know, 70 or 80 guys behind him who play every week. So I'm saying that's not bad, even at the age of whatever he is now, 45, 46, and with a body that's been beat up more than, um, I don't know, Mike Tyson's body was as a boxer. to go out and, uh, and shoot 69, then 74, I know the 74 had to be disappointing for him. But I think everybody who follows golf wants to see him play on the weekend. Russell Henley won't make it as it stands now. He's plus two, as is Lucas Glover, a 70 for him. Doc Redman is at plus two, and he is playing the front side as his last nine, and he has got about four holes to go. He needs a birdie or two coming home. Kevin Kisner is in at plus four. Stewart sinks on the course at plus four, and Matthew Neesmith won't make the cut. A 76 puts him at plus eight. Don't you want to see Tiger make the cut? No. I couldn't care any less if Tiger makes the cut. I don't understand. Oh, oh, I get, so I get everybody. The, the fawning over Tiger, though, just gets to me. How much longer are we going to sit and watch him not be competitive before people stop wanting to see him just make the cut? I mean, this was supposed to be a guy who was going to challenge Jack Nicklaus in the major championships. And now we're only worried about him making the cut? I mean, that's not what Tiger Woods is all about, is it? Well, I mean, I he's mean, 10 shots off the pace. Do you really want to watch him tomorrow just kind of struggle around to removed a from a traffic accident that most people would have died from? No question. So, no I question. Mean, I, say, I, I applaud his ability to get back out there, but my point is it's, it's like watching, you know, um, who's any Brett Favre. It's like watching Brett Favre or Joe Montana at the end of their careers playing in weird-looking uniforms out there just so they can stay on the field. Mm-hmm. This is not Tom Brady going to the end of his career. This is right now a lot closer to watching Joe Montana finish up his career at what, Jets uniform or Kansas City Chiefs uniform. Chiefs. Yeah. Chiefs. I mean, yeah. if you're Tiger, is this what you want? You want to finish 10, 15 shots off the pace every week? I can't imagine that's what he wants. No, I think that – but this is his first tournament. And it will be hard for him yeah, because he doesn't play a full point. schedule. He doesn't he, ever play. He doesn't play a full schedule. And how you can get tournament ready and championship mm-hmm. ready without playing a regular schedule, I think that's very, very difficult. I, I agree with you. All that being said, I do believe that people who follow golf and sports fans in general want to see Tiger Woods play and want to see well, him have a chance to make it on the weekend. Numbers certainly bear that out. I just don't get it. I mean, I just yeah. don't understand why you want to watch a guy who's 15, 20 shots off the pace play golf. It, it doesn't make any sense. He'll have, no matter where he is, he'll have the biggest galleries tomorrow. Oh, the yeah. Gal- and now, he'll get, now, we'll have to watch every one of his shots, the ones oh, in yeah. the bunker, well, in the woods, into the pond. We'll ESPN Plus had a channel dedicated just to his threesome. Mm-hmm. And what a threesome it was. Rory 
and JT and Tiger. That's a hell of a threesome. Everybody wants no to doubt. watch those guys play. And the galleries behind them were six, seven deep around the greens and all the way down the fairway. So he is still the most popular golfer on the planet, whether he shoots 65 or 85. People are interested and people mm-hmm. want to watch. Okay. All right, Coastal Carolina got on the board. They're down 2-1, to one, top of the second. But Fairfield's got runners on first and second with nobody out. Clemson has added a couple of more runs. They're up 10-1, to one, top of the eighth. And South Carolina continues to lead 18-3 to three in the bottom of the seventh. Let's go to our break, and we'll come back with more here on Sports Talk. We're at the Coaches Clinic in Myrtle Beach where they're kind of gathering around. It's kind of a social hour right now. They're chit-chatting. I see um, – Coach uh, Thomas Austin from Clemson is here, and several of the other Clemson assistant coaches are here. Have yet to see the Gamecock coaches here mingling around, but you know they're going to be here at some point tonight because they are speaking to the group tomorrow in various sessions. We'll hit the break, and we'll be back in a moment. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500. Or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop, it's the light of the party. It's a Friday night. We're letting our hair down. We're kicking back. We're relaxing. We're enjoying uh, being on the air tonight from here at the Coaches Clinic. Hope you're enjoying it as well. For those of you who are with us tonight, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, College of Charleston in the top of the six is leading Virginia Tech 1-0. So let's add that score to our uh, list of scores that we are following. Now let's talk a little basketball before the break, and we'll pick back up on this. Tomorrow you got South Carolina. Going to LSU, the Gamecocks 9-17, and 2-11 in the SEC. And they say thank you, LSU, for keeping them out of the cellar of the SEC. Do you realize, do you realize this is a matchup of two teams that between them they have won two games in the calendar year of 2023, both of them by the Gamecocks. LSU has lost 13 straight. 13 straight. They beat Arkansas on December 28th in a wow win for them. In fact, one, two, three, four, five, six. They won seven in a row to end 2022. And then they played Kentucky to a three-point game, and that was the beginning of a 13-game losing streak. I don't know. Have they been decimated by injuries or something? I haven't looked that closely. Do you know anything about them? 
I don't feel. I know the uh, I've seen some message board posts and the like. Uh, LSU fans are not happy with what's going on there with Matt McMahon in his first season replacing Will Wade, and they they are bad. There's no question about that. But if you're South Carolina, you don't you shouldn't worry about how bad LSU is because hmm. this is a really big opportunity for you to get another win on the road. And if they play the way they have take the Vanderbilt game out of the mix, but if they play the way they had going into that Vanderbilt game the past couple of weeks, I think they win tomorrow, and that, that mm-hmm. would be another feather in their cap against, albeit a really, really bad team, but still, South Carolina's not all that good either, so this is a real good opportunity to uh, try and go get another win. Well, LSU's looking at it as an opportunity to break a losing no streak. Doubt. No you doubt. You know who's a reserve guard for them is former Gamecock Trey Hannibal, so they'll get a chance to see him. He transferred in from... Um, where was he? He was at he was at Murray State with the coach, mm-hmm. so he followed his coach to uh, LSU. So it has been a bad bad year for both of these teams to this point. I think really one of the side stories from a South Carolina standpoint is how is G.G. Jackson going to behave, and how much is he going to play, and how much is he going to contribute? I've got a little something to read about him from the Athletic, written by an NBA scout. A uh, guy that does mock drafts and scouts the players, and he had some interesting things to say about Jackson based on what he has seen recently. Uh, we'll get to that, and we'll continue talking basketball, high school football, and more when we return. We are back on Sports Talk on this Friday edition at the Coaches Clinic here in Myrtle Beach. Phil Kornblut here, Chris Bergen. From over in the Berge Palace, we have uh, Pat Daniel at our studios in downtown Columbia. If you want to chime in, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Since 2002, more than $829 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund Lottery tuition assistance for students attending technical colleges in South Carolina. You can learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. And playing for fun is a win for education. We are at the Sheridan Four Points here in Myrtle Beach. Very nice place. This is a wonderful place to have this clinic. It's got a lot of room downstairs for the coaches to mingle. That's what they're doing right now. And it's easy for me to remember where we are because I can remember Sheraton and then when it comes to four points I've got two reminders one that was my scoring average in basketball in high school four points (laughs) and secondly but more importantly that was my GPA in college four points or was it point four I think it was four points but anyway easy to remember uh, where we are and like I said from the outset the parking lot's full of pickup trucks, and so you know there's a bunch of football coaches gathered together where you see a bunch of football. <laughs> we see a bunch of pickup trucks, right? Football guys, they love their pickup trucks. Okay, we've been keeping up with college baseball. We've talked about the golf. Uh, coming up, Jeff Owens will be back with us for his run through the NASCAR season with us in the fast lane with Jeff Owens. He'll be here 7:15, and uh, he'll uh, – give us his take on what's happened so far in this early season going back to the clash in LA and then the twin races last night qualifying and then the race coming up Sunday in Daytona in the afternoon 
So yeah, he'll be with us. Truck racing tonight down there, too. Is truck racing tonight. Well, I'm in a mm-hmm. good place with, uh, with trucks everywhere. And then yeah. at 7.30, birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina. In fact, uh, among the folks I saw when I came in here, Mike Armstrong, who is uh, one of the folks over there with uh, Tsunami Bar and Williams Equipment, uh, also coaching over at Gray Collegiate, and uh, ran into Robin Bacon, the former head coach at Spring Valley, who I think uh, wants to get back into coaching somewhere, um, maybe somewhere right there in Columbia. And uh, David Abernathy, who actually created the Tsunami Bar, uh, Joey Batson, the Clemson strength coach, and, and David Abernathy together in the Clemson weight room, they actually created the Tsunami Bar, and they were both, they are both here. So I saw those folks uh, as I walked in tonight here in, uh, at the coach's clinic. All right, let's update the scores. In Columbia, it's 18-3, bottom of the eighth. Obviously, they're not playing the 10-run rule. 18-3, bottom of the eighth. South Carolina just cruising. Sweat and Williamson have come in to pitch. As you can get a good look at some arms in a game like this, that's why it's beneficial. And they're in the middle of the eighth, and Clemson is leading Binghamton 10-3, and Clayton has come on to pitch for the Tigers. Over at uh, Coastal Carolina, it is 2-2. Coastal has caught up with Fairfield. They're in the top of the third. And as far as um, the scoring goes for Coastal Carolina, they uh, fell behind on a home run, and they tied it on a homer. And No, they didn't. I'm sorry. They fell behind on a two-run homer, cut it to two to one with a homer, and then a sacrifice fly uh, tied the game up. So Barthel has the homer and the sack fly for Coastal. He's got both RBIs for the shots as they are uh, tied up at uh, 2-2. And we'll update some of these other games that we mentioned earlier as we uh, run on through the program. So we were talking about South Carolina LSU basketball and South Carolina LSU, uh, both teams struggling uh, terribly. Uh, and, and if anybody's hurting worse than the Gamecocks, it's LSU. As I mentioned, they've lost 13 in a row. And now you got Clemson uh, tomorrow looking to build on its win the other night, the 40-point home win against Florida State. They, too, will be taking on a lousy, lousy, lousy team in Louisville, which is 3-23 and and 1-14. and I mean, this is a proud, proud basketball program, Chris. They've known nothing but high success levels through a variety of Hall of Fame coaches, and they have hit the absolute rock bottom in the first year with Kenny Payne, one of their former players, as their head coach. As a former player, as a former star there, and considering the NCAA probation that they have gone through and the penalties that they have suffered as a result, and that they are rock bottom, and this is what he stepped into, and this is what he inherited, when maybe a lot of other coaches might have turned a blind eye to the Louisville job. you got to believe the administration there is going to be patient with him. I don't know if the fans will. You know how fans are. But i got to think the administration is going to give him some slack and give him some time here to rebuild this thing because it's definitely at the, at the very bottom. And you can rebuild quickly by just going oh, yeah. into the transfer portal, John, and getting the right guys. I mean, they can go uh, – I'll take a team out of the uh, Sunbelt Conference as a perfect example. I realize it's not quite on the same level as Louisville, but look at Southern Mississippi. They were picked 13th in the preseason by the coaches because they had a bad season last year. They are atop the league right now and look like a team that could m- win a game, not just obviously in the Sunbelt tournament, but in the NCAA tournament as well. And mm. ironically enough, Felipe Hase 
former South Carolina Gamecock who went to Mercer and now is transferred over to Southern Miss as one of their key cogs. And they're playing extremely good basketball this year, Phil, because they were able to bring in guys like, say, Felipe Hase to try and resurrect that program. You're right. And the Louisville fans, one thing I will give them credit for, patience probably not one of them, but they are knowledgeable basketball fans, and they had to know this was coming. And it probably hit them square in the mouth if they didn't realize it was coming when they lost to Lenore Ryan in an exhibition game by 10 to open the season. Yeah. And if that wasn't a wake-up call that this was going to be a bad year, and that's not a knock on LR, but they are a Division II program, uh, nothing was going to wake them up. And I think they understood that this was going to be a long, long season. That being said, had anyone told you that Louisville would ever have a season where they went 3-23, and couldn't win a road game, and was sitting 1-14 at ACC play. I'm not sure many people would have bought that. And this is another one of those games like the uh, game was the other night against Florida State. Maybe a little bit better competition for the Seminoles. But still, Clemson's got to approach tomorrow the same way they did against Florida State. You have to go out and just blister Louisville so the voters and everybody who works the net and everything else continues to say, you know what, Clemson looks like an NCAA tournament team. They have won one of their last 15 They've won one game since the calendar turned to 2023. So it's been, it's been rough sledding. And this is a game where Clemson can't take its eye off the ball. Right. They've got to go play good basketball. They've got their net back to 64, which is still not where you want to be. But they can still play their way safely into the NCAA tournament by just winning games. They've got Syracuse. They've got an extremely tough three-game stretch after this. Syracuse, which you can never take lightly then at NC State, then at Virginia. So those three games are going to make or break this season for Clemson, I would think. A win tomorrow, that's 20. Overall, that's 12. Let's just say they're 20-7 and 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 12-4. If things go terribly wrong for them and they lose those three, I'm playing devil's advocate here, Mm -hmm. and they lose those three, that means they're 20 and 10 and 11 and 7 with Notre Dame left. They should beat Notre Dame at home. So 21 and 10 and 13 and 7 in the ACC. And you've got a win over Duke. You've got a win Not over Wake enough. Forest. You've got some good wins on there. You've got a win over NC State. You've got a win over Pittsburgh on the road. Um, you, I mean, you've got a win over Virginia Tech. That should be think, Phil. That, that should, should be, be enough, enough to get but them. It won't in. be. I, it won't be. If for you a really team think like they would not I, make I, it with thirteen no, league wins I, and twenty-one they, wins overall? A, if they don't win an AC a tournament game in that scenario, I think they would get left out, and it would be a shame and unfortunate because I believe they are a tournament team and deserve to be in there. But, again, I, I think with the way the ACC is viewed this season, some of those wins in the Atlantic Coast Conference are not going to have the same cachet that they have had in years past. I think Clemson probably needs to get to 22 or 23 wins just to be safe. I mean, we're talking about a team that's fourth right now in the league and sitting on the bubble right now. Mm. When's yeah. the last time you can remember a team in the top four of the ACC sitting on the bubble? Yeah. I'm not sure it's ever happened. Nah, and here's another right. opportunity for the Tigers tomorrow, Phil. You know, they've never won at Louisville. They knocked off that. Now the streak's not anywhere close to the way it was in North Carolina, but they are 0-7 at Louisville. So here's another opportunity for them to tick something else off the record book under Brad Brownell. Well, they should be playing with a lot of confidence. I think making shots like they did the other night where everybody was scoring and the basket must have looked like it was five feet around to them 
they were knocking down <laughs> shots left and right, and so that should carry a lot of confidence for them into the uh, the game uh Tomorrow, tomorrow night, it's a night game, a 7 o'clock tip there at Louisville. So uh, we'll see what happens. Let's check on some of the other action tomorrow. By the way, College of Charleston won last night. Uh, they're 26-3. and I think they have more wins than anybody in Division One, And they're continuing to blow through the CAA. You got Notre Dame at Virginia, Boston College at Florida State, Wofford plays at the Citadel, Tennessee will be at Kentucky, That'll be a dandy 1 o'clock tip on CBS and Tennessee coming off the upset win over Alabama. Kentucky, definitely a bubble team. Be a big uh, resume win for them if they can beat Tennessee. You got Wake Forest playing at Miami. Miami's been really good. That should be a good ball game. Got your game tomorrow at 2, Texas State, Coastal Carolina. Florida plays at Arkansas. Florida Tech at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech beat Virginia Tech the other night which was kind of surprising. Wait yeah, a minute, Georgia Tech out. is playing Florida Tech? They're stepping out of the ACC, yes. <laughs> Unless, without thing. our knowledge, they've added Florida Tech to the ACC. You know, No, they're <laughs> stepping out of ACC play. Presbyterian will be at Campbell. Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Upstate plays at High Point. Dave Dickerson doing another good job with the Spartans. Uh, Pitt at Virginia Tech. South Carolina State at Maryland Eastern Shore. Winthrop at Charleston Southern, Georgia at Alabama. Duke plays at Syracuse. That should be interesting. They'll probably have 35000 for that one. A&M at Missouri. Tomorrow night you got Auburn and Vanderbilt, and uh, that is the schedule for tomorrow. Uh, and then on Sunday the South Carolina women uh, play at Ole Miss. We haven't talked about the women, but they – they crushed Florida last night. Another, this game was over so early that Aaliyah Boston might as well have just gone on to five points and have a beer. Uh, she wasn't needed. She only played 20 minutes. She had, this has to be, I don't know, a career low of four points and six rebounds. I can't believe. And it's only because she didn't play that they, uh, they didn't need her. Um, they, uh, they, they were able to sit her and most of the regulars. And play everybody off the bench. Ashley Watkins had 12 points. But, I mean, they crushed Florida. Final score, if you weren't paying attention, was 87-56. to 56. And it was a typical USC performance in which they actually shot it well all game long. They finished at 50%. Of course, they killed Florida on the boards. Killed them on second chance points. Killed them in the paint. All the things that they do well. So they're 26-0 and and 13-0 and after that win last night. They just keep on rolling, and they're so impressive. They don't have to have their stars, and, and I say that because Zaya Cook took over. I had 22 points last night, but they, they didn't need Aaliyah to play all that much. These are the type games that you start if you're Dawn Staley. You start pulling back starters' minutes to start getting them ready for the postseason. I mean, the conference tournament not that far down the road, and then obviously the NCAA tournament, and this team's got much bigger fish to fry than Florida. And uh, their second team could beat the Gators, and they almost did that by themselves last night. Yeah, no question. So they continue to roll. Maybe we'll drop in a little Don Staley here coming up. One thing I want to mention, too, that was in the news today or overnight, seeing the Clemson guys here, but no Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney spoke yesterday at Anderson University. You know, they're starting a new football program there with Bobby Lamb, and he made like a helmets. fifty. Yeah, he made a fifty thousand dollar donation to the Anderson University Athletic Department in the name of, um, I think it was in the name of Bill DeAndre and Terry Don Phillips. 
I think Terry Don was the other one. I have to go back and take a, take a look at that. But I know Bill DeAndre, who once was the AD over at Anderson. But quite the gesture, quite the gesture by Dabo Sweeney. Um, as somebody said, I don't think it was you who said this, Chris, but why only 50000 Um <laughs> No, I think 50000 is quite a uh, – There's no question. Quite a, a noble gesture. Now, I just want to see Anderson rise to the level of Division One, and before Dabo retires, go over there and beat him with the money, the seed money that he gave them, and they come back and, uh, and take it to him one day, huh? Is that possible? Our state has, and this is not a knock against Bobby Lamb and what they're building at Anderson, but our state has plenty of Division One programs. We don't need another one. Stay where you are. You know, I think they'll be just fine at the D2 level. We've got way too many Division One programs, and there are a couple that probably need to drop back to where they used to be. Are you suggesting that <laughs> – well, how many Division One programs do we have in the state? We have FB. You talking about FBS level programs? No, I'm talking about Division One programs. Period. That, that include the FCS programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Anderson will be Division Two. Right. Exactly. For their, yeah, but you, for their you wanted them. You, you were talking about them vaulting up to Division One so they could go over and play clubs. Well, and they're never the gonna Tigers aren't going to play one. them yeah. at, at D two. Yeah. So yeah, they're like never, I said, never. our state has our state has one too many Division One programs in it right now for football. Oh, which is the one that's won too many? It's the one that got way too big for its britches a while back up at Presbyterian College. They have been much better served to stay at division. Use Anderson. I'm going to give you a little example here. If you're thinking about that, use PC as an example. Uh PC is an example of a program that should have never gone to Division I. Never gone to Division I. And you see what they're reaping now with their football program back down at Division I non-scholarship. Yeah, yeah. You should know your level and you should know your – Know, know your lane. Stay in your lane. As, as Sweeney would have told him, you know, grow where your feet are planted or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that what he exactly. says? Bloom Be where you're planted? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, that's fantastic uh, advice, and, and people should listen to it. Uh, let's go to the break, and we'll come back and give you the recruiting report. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk. I see Coach Nick Eason from Clemson walking around, shaking hands. Just saw Thomas Austin walking out with Garrett Riley. Thomas Austin, the offensive line coach, he's just not here mingling with the coaches. He's been offering players. Tell you about the latest lineman to get an offer from him coming up in our recruiting report momentarily. Be right back. George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. 
Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Let's give you the recruiting report tonight, brought to you by Seawells. All right, Pat, give me the up-to-date, in-person report today. It was an RBF day at Seawells for the uh, daily luncheon buffet. Roast Beef Friday, I know it had to be delish. Oh, it was. Everything about it was was fantastic. Went there with my dad. Spent well over an hour eating oh. until we were, uh, could not eat anymore. And then went over and caught a few innings of the uh, South Carolina baseball game. It was a nice day. Yeah, yeah. What else did you have with the roast beef? What else was, what else was on the buffet today? Fried pork chops. They had fried chicken. And then they had lots of different, lots of different vegetables. Uh, I stuck with, with mostly meat, though. I think I had two pork chops and a couple big uh, uh, cuts of the roast beef. Lots of gravy. Um, a big old bowl of banana pudding after it. Washed it down with some water and some sweet tea. It was, it was nice. We missed you, though, Corn. Anybody ask about me? I was going to say, anybody ask about me? I tend to kind of keep to myself over there. Um, to no, sorry. Okay. I asked That's about fine. you. I asked about you. That's fine. That's fine. Well, I hope you enjoyed yourself. They will uh, clean it up and re-rack for next week. It's 11 till 2, Monday through Friday. So make plans to get over there at least one day a week when you get out for lunch. Uh, you would do yourself well to enjoy what they have at Seawells. And if you need the best in the catering business, just give the folks at Seawells a call at 803-771-7385 or online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So another update on Blake Franks, who's kind of been the center of the recruiting world in South Carolina the last couple of weeks because of his stated plans to announce a commitment for either USC or Clemson in February or early March. Earlier this week, Greenville High coach Greg Porter said Franks was thinking about February 20th for an announcement. He said last night that was true, but since that day is also his sister's birthday, he didn't want his announcement to conflict with her day. He has spent the week working through his decision and talking to coaches, USC offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley and Clemson offensive line coach Thomas Austin are carrying the recruiting load for their respective programs. Frank said he's heard from South Carolina the most this week. I've heard a little bit from Florida. Some coaches have reached out to me this week, he said. I heard from Coach Austin a few times from Clemson, and I've heard from Auburn. Text messages and FaceTime mostly. I FaceTime with Florida, South Carolina, and Clemson as well. End of the quote. USC head coach Shane Beamer and Clemson head coach Debo Sweeney also involved with this recruiting battle. Quote, I hear from Coach Beamer at least twice a week. I hear from Coach Teasley every day. I hear from USC recruiting assistant Sam Survey every day as well. Coach Sweeney once every two weeks. He leaves it up to Coach Austin. And if I want to talk to Coach Sweeney, he just lets me text him, end quote. So he realizes that everybody's kind of watching and waiting on him. Quote, I'd like to think I'm pretty much done. 
I think the announcement will come soon, whether it's in March or in February still. I don't know right now. I'm still figuring some things out. On my mind made up, I'm at about an 8.8 out of 10. I like the preciseness, an 8.8 out of 10, end of quote. He will tweet out a date for his announcement once he makes his decision. He will then have an announcement ceremony either at his school or at another location his mother is looking into. Computer science is what he wants to major in. I guess that's kind of close to, like, engineering, but that's what he's thinking about there. Today, Clemson offered offensive tackle Egan Boyer. He's 6'8", 260 from Cornelius, North Carolina. He's got a lot of other major offers, so Clemson has jumped in. Clemson target defensive tackle Jeremiah Beeman was offered by Oregon. Coastal Carolina offered Northwestern running back Turbo Richard. Clemson target offensive tackle David Calhoun has added official visits to Tennessee June 16th and to Texas June 23rd. He also has Georgia and Alabama set for June official visits. So he's got one more official visit to set up. Don't know if Clemson's going to get that or not, but he is down to just one final official visit. And that is the recruiting report tonight here on Sports Talk. Remember to check it out regularly on our website, which, of course, is sportstalksc.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting to take you right to the stuff that we write about and also to the stuff we retweet from others. All right, looks like Clemson's gone final. Tigers homer three times, steal 11 bases, and they open the Eric Bakich era with an 11-3 win over Hampton. So the Tigers open up. 1-0 1-0 and on the season, and they had three home runs on the day, two by Wright and one by Gerald. And they had the 11 stolen bases, and Wright had a 4-for-4 four four day with three RBIs, and Grice had a couple of hits for the Tigers as well. So that one's over, and South Carolina's just gone final. Gamecocks win it 20-3 over UMass Lowell. Gamecocks uh, rang up 16 hits, and they had five homers, two of them by McGillis to transfer from Southern Miss. Horning homered, Wimmer homered, and uh, Messina homered as well. Wimmer went five for five with two RBIs. A great start for him. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, back with you here on Sports Talk. We're at the Coaches Clinic in uh, Myrtle Beach. We're at the Sheridan Four points, and uh, like I said earlier, I can remember that because that was my high school basketball scoring average back in the day, four points per game. Turn that headset around the other way, Coach. That'll work better for you. Uh, There you go. Perfect, perfect. You know, I can't be at the coach's clinic and not have a coach come on and talk some high school football and things that they're here to talk about. We welcome in from Fairfield Central High School Coach Demetrius Davis to Sports Talk. How are you? Doing pretty good, Phil. How are you? You were just over there chilling, eating some pizza, enjoying yourself, and then here I come, and you're like, oh, no. 
This well, can't be good. Well, I mean, you are the man. So anytime <laughs> people say whenever the man show up, you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do. I don't understand why people scatter when I come walking around, you know. <laughs> and I used to get so much good scoop from here, but now I'm sworn to secrecy on so many things. But gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. how has the clinic been so far from all the uh, the talking and the clinicking so far? Well, it's, it's been a, a good clinic. I think the, the most impressive part I've been to so far was the player, I mean, the coaches forum that we just had, and it kind of gave guys an opportunity uh, to to ask questions, you know, and and when you're in this build this business, you know, you never know it all. Yeah. So you had you know Coach Lewis from Sumter there. You had Coach uh, Sharpie that's been around forever. You know, Daddy Sharpie uh, was there, and you had some older guys, and you had a couple young guys there, and we just kind of just bounced ideas off on what worked for you and what worked for you, and and it, I think it was a good a good time. Super, super. Um, do you do a lot of uh, scheming? Do you exchange a lot of ideas about, you know, here's how I want to run this play and here's how I want to run that defense and where are you putting your safety? Do you do a lot of that stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's what the clinic's about. Yeah. I mean, uh, football is football now. So, you know, everybody either run power or counter or everybody play cover three, everybody play cover two or whatever. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes. It ain't all about the X's and O's. So you get a chance to get the X's and O's here and then you got to come back and see if you get your Jimmys and Joes to play. Sure. How's it going getting those Jimmys and Joes? Well, at Fairfield Central, we got some good ones. Yeah. You know, I got a, a freshman quarterback that I think that's going to be in the top five, ten in the country when he's a senior. Uh, you know, we got some uh, uh, a good receiver, Tidarian Greer. I think that's going to be good. So we got some good pieces. Uh, Jalen Swilley, offensive tackle, I think that's going to be pretty good. Miles Robinson, you know, so we got some good guys, some good pieces. We just got to see if we can all put it together and, and see if we can make it work. Absolutely. What about some of the things that concern high school football coaches? I know you're talking about some of that as you make the rounds here. What are some of the issues that concern you guys the most? I think right now we're at a time where kids are really not bought into finishing things now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're at a time now where kids have a lot of options. You know, I when I went to college, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't want to quit and come back to Fairfield. You know, but I didn't have an option. Yeah. You know, I had to, you know, you, I remember my dad telling me, you know, uh, you can quit, but you can't come back here. <laughs> you know, so, I mean. Where would you have well, gone? I, I don't had nowhere to go, so I had yeah. to stay. You uh-huh. know, so uh, I think, you know, we have given kids outs and stuff now, which I think just getting kids to want to now, I think is, is one of the tough, toughest things in high school football right now. Is football still popular with the kids as far as you can tell, getting them out to play? Well, I think football falls about number five, uh, maybe TikTok, uh, maybe Madden and uh-huh. 2K. Some of the stuff of those games come in, in, in front of football now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it, and it's not just football. It's sports, sports period. Right. You know, it's hard to find those guys that really bought in and like to play sports like they did 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. In your town in Winsboro in Fairfield County, I mean, the Griffins used to be – the thing they still are the thing is it still popular there where you are fairfield county will always be fairfield county when it comes to supporting fairfield central football yeah you know uh and 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 there's not a day that go by you know i think that somebody in fairfield county is ready for august to come you know and and i enjoy being in fairfield because coach pew used to always tell us when we was in orangeburg that you know to whom much is given much is required you know and to be at fairfield central it you know i know it's 20 jokers that want you fired on a day-to-day basis but when people want you fired that mean they care yeah. you know and i'd rather be somewhere where people care and want you fired than be somewhere where it don't matter whether you win or lose how's your schedule look for this year 
it'll be the same as basically this year. We're in the second year. Uh, we'll open up uh, with uh, Carver's Bay, down in Carver's Bay. Uh, we have Newberry. Non, uh, Newberry is our region. Great Collegians in our region. Columbia High, Keenan, Mid-Carolinas in our region. Uh, and then we'll non-region, uh, non we have Lancaster. Uh, and we also have Andrew Jackson, which I'm going to be honest, that's, that's the one that I wish we could take off now because they're pretty good right they now. They got good, didn't yeah. they? They got good quick. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Coach, coach has done a great job there in Andrew Jackson. Is it tougher today? Are you the AD as well? I'm not. Okay. Uh, is, it, is it tougher today, though? I mean, we saw some things happen the last few weeks in Charleston that were a little strange with positions, with coaches, right. veteran coaches. Is it is it tougher today dealing with school administrators and principals? And I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. I, maybe you're in a great – obviously you're in a great situation, but can it be – is it, it getting tougher? It can be tough. Yeah. But I am blessed. I mean, and I don't know if it's a day go by that I don't say I'm blessed. But I am blessed to have an unbelievable support system from my superintendent, from my principal, and from my AD, you know. I, so it's hard for me to relate. I've been there for 12 years, and we've all been together for 10. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to relate on having a, 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 a situation where your administration don't back you because that's, that's not a problem I have. Yeah. yeah. So you're in, a great, you're in a great position there, and everybody's pulling in the, in the same direction, which is key. Exactly. And at the end of the day, everybody's goal, everybody want to win and lose, Phil, but it's so much bigger than winning and losing now. It mm-hmm. really is. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point of my career now. You know, I was at South Carolina State for 10 years. I've been at Fairfield now for 12. And, and after 22 years, I feel more joy seeing my kids go off and be successful than I ever do from winning a football game. Yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I want to win. And when you do it right and you have kids that buy in and do it right, you'll win football games. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Nobody really remembers that. Yeah. You know, those kids remember what you did for them. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what you was able to go and get them to believe something that they didn't even believe in themselves. You yeah. Know? So, you know, that, that's where I'm at now in, in, in this deal now. Last thing I'll let you go. You know, everything's changing with what's happened with the college game, with the openness of the, the money and the NIL. And I'm not saying it's across the board for right. all kids. And I'm right. not saying kids are bad for wanting money. Who right. doesn't want money, right? Exactly. You know, we tend to get a little bit put out with some of the things we see in here. But I understand people want to be compensated and taken care of. And they, in some cases, they want to take care of their families. But in some areas, this is getting into the high school uh, situation, right. too, the high school thing. A place like Fairfield Central, you'll probably never have to worry about something like that unless you have that super, superstar come right. through. But I don't know that people in your community want to pony up money to pay a high school player to endorse something, you know, in the community. But as you see it happen around the country at various high schools, I mean, what do you see 20 years from now on the high school scene? I'm, I'm scared. I really am. I, I am scared about high school football five years from now, hmm. better yet 20. And the reason with all this NIL stuff, with the transfer portal, the transfer portal has has really hurt high school football recruiting. You know, I, I I have some kids this year that should be playing college football on a full scholarship that never really gets to the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, because guys are not taking a lot of high school kids. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a five-star or a four-star kid that commits to Clemson and Carolina and Florida State and Ohio State early, those uh, 
players that used to could go on and be a two-star or maybe a one-star or a no-star. Yeah. That somebody just took a chance on from high school. You know, that, that, that's becoming far and few between. I mean, it, those, those borderline kids are now becoming Division two and becoming Division three kids. Division two and Division three is now becoming junior college mm-hmm. because the kids going to Division two hoping that I can get good film so that I can transfer out to right. wherever you go. So right. I think the transfer portal, I think whoever put it in place might have had good intentions. But I really do think that it's going to be the, the, the end of high school football. I really do. Wow. Last, last thing. So I've seen a bunch of Clemson coaches here. I see coastal coaches here. I know South Carolina coaches will be coming. So what's it like now as a high school coach in the state when you got Beamer, heavy hitter, heavy swinger in Columbia, and, of course, the established Clemson staff with Dabo Sweeney leading things? What's it like as a coach in South Carolina watching the recruiting play out around you with these guys? Well, now, you know, my favorite college coach in South Carolina is Buddy Pew. Now, you know, I got to say that. Not only did I work for him 10 years, but right. I played for him in high school also. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, having those guys, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys, Phil, I don't, I'm not a fan of anybody. You know, uh, I'm, I like Clemson. Uh, I was a, a video guy at South Carolina in my early career, so mm-hmm. I like South Carolina. You know, I'm excited about what Beamer's doing there. I'm excited about what Dabo's able to do up in Clemson. I'm excited about what Maurice Drayton, another guy that I worked with at South Carolina State. I'm excited what Maurice is going to do at Citadel. Mm-hmm. I think that Citadel hit a home run with hiring Maurice. I think Maurice is going to go in there and hit the ground running and really get Citadel back to what it was when Citadel was Citadel. Yeah. You know, so there's some good high school, I mean, some good college coaches in this state. Can't really talk about Furman. I've never seen a Furman coach come in Fairfield Central High School, so I can't talk about them. But now, Charleston Southern's been there. Newberry's always there. Uh, haven't seen a Wofford coach in a long time. And I'm not calling out coaches saying they need to come and, and recruit Fairfield, but I can only speak about the guys I see and I talk to. Sure, understand. Hey, thank you. You let your pizza get cold. My pizza did get cold, I so I'll terrible. let you buy me a whole pizza next time. Let's see if there's a microwave we can put that thing in <laughs> real quick. Thank you for coming over. Thanks for having we me. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, Demetrius Davis, head football coach at Fairfield Central. Known him a long time. Talked to him about a lot of kids over the years. And, of course, been coaching around the state of South Carolina for a long time. And we dragged him over here and appreciate him did. volunteering and joining us. He was fantastic. Breath of fresh air, Phil, and I really I, I took a step back when he said when you asked him is football still as popular for the kids at Fairfield up in Winsboro as it is across the state, and he said matter of factly probably fifth. Yes. Wow. Started that, naming scary. TikTok I mean, really and da 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 and da da da. Yeah, that mm-hmm. surprised me. All right, let's go to our break, and you know what's coming up after the break? We haven't heard our favorite song in a while, but it returns as does Jeff Owens in the fast lane. That'll be coming up next here on Sports Talk. Also tell you the College of Charleston now leads Virginia Tech 5-2. to two. And let's update the uh, Coastal Carolina game for you as well. As soon as I can put my eyes on that score, may have to do that when we come back from the break. Nope, I got it right here. Coastal has taken a 3-2 lead on Fairfield. They have runners on the corners, one out as they play in the bottom of the fourth. And we'll be back in a moment. Time to go racing here on Sports Talk. <laughs> Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. 
So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. at Daytona where there will be no mufflers unlike at L.A. And hopefully they haven't switched to all electric cars just yet. Let's welcome in Jeff Owens. In the fast lane, another season of NASCAR with Jeff on Friday nights. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm great, Phil. How are you? Uh, Great to be back. Oh, we're so happy you're with us and appreciate you as always. And here we go into another long, draining tiring NASCAR season (laughs) and a lot of things have changed and drivers have changed sponsors have changed the car is about the same though they're doing some funky things to it what are you thinking going into this season yeah it's going to be a little different Uh, they have made some changes to the cars you know hopefully they you know the the changes they made to the rear clip and stuff are going to help out from a safety standpoint but yeah they're going to have uh uh, mufflers at some tracks, short tracks and road courses and stuff like that. That'll be a little bit odd. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, the second year with this car. And it'll be interesting to see who has, uh, you know, gained the most knowledge and experience with it and if some of these teams are able to gain an advantage. I mean, the story of last year was just incredible parity uh, with 19 different winners and the playing field as level as, it, as it's ever been. So I think the big thing to watch this year, you know, is that going to continue? Or are we going to see some teams like Hendrick or Gibbs or Penske, you know, tinker with this car and gain a little bit of an advantage, and we we sort of see the cream rise back to the top, so to speak. So uh, that's kind of what I'm curious to see is how it all plays out and, uh, you know, how much better or different are things going to be in year two of this new car. Well, let me ask this question, and I'm going to ask it for Chris Bergen because I know when he gets a chance to ask, he's going to ask it, so I'm going to ask it for him, and here it is. When you mention the mufflers, here's the question. Why? Why? Why are they putting mufflers on a beautiful-sounding car? I know. I think a lot of NASCAR fans are asking that. Uh, I think it's just a sign of the times. You know, you made a joke earlier about Electric cars, <laughs> you know, how much longer before we see that? You know, there's been talk of that down the road. I, I, I personally hope that never happens. But uh, 
I think that's just a sign of the times and, and the way we're moving. The country is moving, you know, from an environmental standpoint. And so, you know, if you put mufflers on the car, you do away with a little bit of noise pollution, I suppose. Uh, and it makes it, uh, you know, one thing we did here last year is that the cars were louder at short tracks, uh, particularly at places like Bristol and Martinsville. They were louder than the previous car. So this is an attempt to sort of quieten that down a little bit and sort of make it a little bit closer uh, to what they used to be and maybe a little bit quiet, uh, you know, a little bit uh, softer than that. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it sounds sort of ridiculous, but, uh, you know, uh, hopefully they've got a good reason for doing it. Hmm. Jeff Owens in the fast lane with us here tonight on Sports Talk, getting ready for Daytona weekend. As a matter of fact, the truck series is about to get started down at the World Center of Racing, the 500 coming up on a Sunday. And once again, Jeff, Alex Bowman will sit on the pole. This is his sixth time now that he's going to sit on the front row and the third time he's been on the pole. When is he going to finally bust through and win this thing? I mean, does it become a point where is his car in qualifying just that much better? Or what is he doing in qualifying that has not been able to translate for him? And I realize super speedway racing is different, but still that he can't translate over to the race on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hendrick has just thoroughly dominated qualifying at Daytona 500 for quite a while. I think they've won eight out of the last nine poles there. Uh, something like that for the Daytona 500. So Hendrick has just got a real advantage when it comes to qualifying. But, of course, it's a whole different game when you put the race setups and those things. And we mm-hmm. saw that last night in the in the qualifying races. You saw different guys. You know, the Chevys and Hendrick dominated qualifying. And then when we got down to racing last night, we saw the Fords up there. We saw the, some Toyotas up there. And it was much more even. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a big story from Hendrick's standpoint, you know, as far as, you know, both Alex Bowman and William Byron, to me, have a lot to prove. Because Hendrick has always had great drivers. But right now, Kyle Larson and, and Chase Elliott are their top two so the question is, can Byron and Bowman uh, catch up to those guys and be as competitive? They both recently signed contract extensions, so Hendricks uh, obviously got a lot of faith in them. But uh, it's up to those two guys now to take that speed and, trans- and translate it into wins. Jeff, I remember at the uh, Southern 500 sitting up in the media center and some of the guys who cover NASCAR a lot more closely than uh, Phil and I do, more like you do, they were starting to nickname him Alex No Showman. Is that a fair assessment of his career? I mean, it sounds harsh, but, I mean, is that a fair assessment of where he's gone thus far in his career? Yeah, well, I mean, I I think it's fair. I mean, he's been inconsistent. Uh, And the other thing that's sort of been a knock on him is that some of those races, I forget which driver it was, but one of the drivers he beat last year was sort of making fun of him because of this, because he tends to uh, show up right at the end, and uh, you know some of his wins have have been a situation where they've used good pit strategy, and you know he hadn't been that fast throughout the race, and he shows up at the end and he gets a victory. Hmm. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of drivers throughout the history do that. Um, but I think he's one of those guys that uh, has been really inconsistent. He's capable of winning. He's had a couple of three-win seasons before, uh, but he's just very inconsistent. So I think that's something they uh, that Hendrick will uh, keep an eye on this year. They need both him and William Byron to, to be fast and be a little bit more consistent. 
There are obviously a thousand storylines we're going to be following throughout the season, but one I'm going to keep an eye on is what Kyle Busch does now that he goes over to Richard yeah. Childress Racing. And what do you anticipate from him? He's going to start at the back on Sunday because he wrecked in the uh, twin duels last night. But what do you anticipate? What's a legitimate season for a guy as talented as Kyle Busch, but maybe not in as good equipment as he's been in in the past? Yeah, I, I think they're they're talking and thinking championship. Uh, and, and you're right. That 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 to me is probably one of the biggest stories of the year. Is how well is he going to do at Childress? And, and there's a lot of different ways to look at this thing. You know, you could say Childress is not up to Joe Gibbs standards, and that's probably true. But last year, with the field being a little bit more even, Childress won four races, and we saw mm-hmm. Tyler Reddick have an outstanding season in that car. He won three races. Uh, he he made a deep run in the playoffs. And now Kyle Busch is going into that car. So there's a lot of thinking out there that Kyle Busch is going to elevate that car and elevate that team. And because he's one of only, he's the leader on that team now, and he's one of just two drivers instead of one of four at Gibbs, that he is going to up his game, win races, and be a championship contender again. And I'll tell you, I can't find fault with that. Uh, I, I think this is a perfect match. The irony is, and we know the story, that, you know, Childress used to hate Kyle Busch. And, and he's the, he actually took his wristwatch off one time in the garage and told somebody, here, hold my watch, and then he punched Kyle Busch right in the face. Uh, now, 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 Kyle, now Kyle is driving for him, and Childress loves the guy. He, he loves you know, Dale Earnhardt had an edge to him, just like Kyle Busch does. Mm-hmm. And Childress loves that. I think this is a perfect match. And the other thing that's been really interesting to me so far, you know, Kyle's one of those polarizing drivers fans love to hate. He, he does have a lot of fans, but he's got way more that hate him. Mm-hmm. But, but in listening to fans for the last month or so, I can tell you that his fan support has grown tremendously just by moving to Childress and to Chevrolet. Uh, Chevrolet fans love this guy. Um, Now he's gained a lot of fans. So he's going to be a guy I believe we're going to be talking about all year long. Hmm. Just don't let him go back down to Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's the thing. If he can beat the rap in Mexico, he'll be a contender. Yeah, yeah. He's not doing uh, five years to life. Okay, last thing, got about a minute. he's got to stay away from Childress's guns, too. Oh, I bet. I bet. So, I mean, listen, it's a crapshoot anytime you try to predict uh, a restrictor plate race. uh, Daytona, Talladega, we all know that. But what's the key here, Uh, being out front early, setting the pace, or, or laying back and staying out of trouble and making your move late? Which strategy would you go with? Yeah, that, that's a tough call as always at Daytona. I mean, I think I want to be up front, uh, and you. But you got to be careful up there too. We saw what happened last night. You know, Kyle Busch is up front, and he gets run into from behind and wrecked. So, and that's going to happen. You know, we're going to see some more. They haven't quite. One of the things NASCAR did that I, I hate is they didn't give him any practice before qualifying or before that race last night. And I think that partly led, led to that wreck, but. I think you got to be up front, and uh, the guys I really liked last night were Ryan Blaney looked great. I think he's got a shot. Brad Keselowski. I think the Fords are going to be tough to beat. Okay, Jeff, we're off and running, my man. Thank you. Have a great uh, 500 weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. 
Okay, guys, have a good one. Enjoy Thank the you. Thank you, Jeff Owens. Got George Bryan and company coming up. Four. Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. And that's when my caddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. I tell you what, can't think of two better things I'd rather talk about than high school football. We're here at the High School Football Coaches Clinic in Myrtle Beach. And also the great game of golf. I don't care that Chris Bergen is an anti-Tiger Woods person, okay? I love Tiger Woods. I love watching Tiger Woods play, and I hope he's going to make the cut. He was on the cut line last time we checked, and let me just double-check before we bring George in so I can know what we're talking about here. The cut was going to be plus one, and it's still projected right there at plus one, so Tiger you don't is hanging think right it's gonna move so on the Tiger cut won't line. make the cut, do you? You don't think the PGA think, Tour would actually the move PGA? the cut to miss Tiger Woods, do you? He's going to make the cut. <laughs> I can promise you that. I think it's out of his control. <laughs> Let's welcome in George Bryan the sure III, another edition is. of Birdies, Bogies, and Biceps here in the state of South Carolina. And George has got special guests with him as well. And do we have Robbie with us too? Is Robbie connected, uh, Pat? Do we have Robbie on board? Well, I got Robbie, too. Okay, George and Robbie, of course, brought to you by Tsunami Bar Sports. And George, Robbie, welcome in, guys. How are you? Couldn't be better. <laughs> Fantastic. On this. Uh, love listening to the show and can't wait to uh, talk about some golf. All right, uh, George, why are you whispering? I'm not whispering. I said couldn't be better. Oh, okay. I thought you <laughs> I thought you were whispering earlier when uh, when Pat called you. Well, it's great to have you with us. And uh, what do you think about what's happening out in L.A.? Before we get into high school and college golf and everything else that's on your mind. Oh, by the way, um, Robbie, as I walked in, as I walked in the clinic, guess who I walked directly into? I mean, if I if I hadn't have been looking up, I'd have, I'd have slammed right into him. Well, if you were looking up, that had to be the giant Mike Armstrong. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> I ran right into Mike. I ran right into Mike. I walked right past David Abernathy, and standing over talking with people was um, uh, Clemson strength coach. Uh, bup, bup, bup. You know who Joey I'm talking Batson. about. Joey Batson. Coach Batson, yes, yes. So the whole, the whole gang is here. Wow, yeah, that's a good crowd. You're going to have a good weekend. Yeah, yeah they're here. Uh, they're here mingling with the high school coaches and talking football and uh, and no doubt talking about their products as well. There, there's uh, some beef in that crowd. Average average height's about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I'm not sure weight. It's definitely over 240. <laughs> I'll just say I was standing next to – I was standing next to Mike and to Robin Bacon, the former Spring Valley coach, who's kind of tall himself. I felt I felt very small standing next to them. I tell you, Mike, most importantly, he's been sporting the same haircut for thirty-five years. Yes, he has. has. And uh, good. First, they're good men. They're all good men. They love sport and. one of the things they all know a lot about is that's taking care of your body. 
taking care of your body. You take care of it, it'll take care of you. And the uh, David Abernathy is the inventor of the Tsunami Bar, and he did it. He invented it while he was at Clemson as the assistant for Coach Batson. So there's a little history behind the Tsunami Bar technology. And while we're rolling hot, and just before bringing in Coach Robert Dargan, AC floor coach, Tsunami Robbie, go ahead and take it away and talk just a little bit about the benefits of the Tsunami Bar technology. Well, it's always good. Uh, just working out in general is going to be good. And then when you can do it with a, a device that's going to be friendly on the body, that's not going to give you the skeletal and muscular abrasion that you're used to, those uh, getting broke down and sore to where you take three or four days to recover. Uh, tsunami Bar, the live technology, it really works, it helps, and uh, everybody should at least give it a look, and then you can decide if it's for you or not. There is no question that uh, the in-season product that most of the schools don't talk about, even in the big sports, is is uh, the Tsunami Bar. When I say most, I say many of the schools. They, and when you mention abrasive, that, that equates into tension and soreness. And uh, the, the number one, number one uh, benefit behind the Tsunami Bar technology is it's, and this is my opinion, the ability to study that tension and to stay away from abrasiveness, that's just soreness. When the fiber is broken down, uh, frayed, because of, the, because of the resistance training, pushing that weight, the, uh, uh, it, it gets sore. Well, that's what the cool thing about the tsunami bars. You don't have to deal with the level of soreness. And, and then it helps you study the layers of, of tension. And we all know, in golf that if you are the one cool where do you think the word choking came from and what does that entail there's a lot of tension around the game of golf especially you mentioned tiger woods in the cut looks like he will be inside that cut line there's nobody that probably the, the number one record of uh what those who follow that they're most in awe about tiger woods is not how many tournaments he's won how many cuts that he made in a row if you go talk to the guys that really and girls that really can play, that's the number one. So Tiger Woods is the master of tension control. And uh, hey, speaking of masters, I think it's about time. Go ahead and bring in one, Robert, Coach Robert Darden. I'm sure he's on the tee with us at this point. Welcome, Coach. Glad to have you part of our team. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And George, I agree with you on the sideboard, Robbie. George set me up with one of those about a year and a half ago, and I use it all the time. It's a great tool, and um, it's good for anyone, especially for golf. I'm sure there's sports too, but it really does work well for golf, and so I'm a big proponent of that for sure. And that's great yeah, to hear, so, Coach. Uh, so, Coach. And, um, um, yes. No, go ahead. You're going to. No, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to mention um, thank, you, thank you for having us, and, um, and, and um, the floor team this year. Our girls' team was, was in the fall, and we finished third at the state, which was really good. We had no seniors, so we got everybody coming back. We got two All-State girls coming back, Barrett Barbary, who's a freshman, will be a sophomore next year, and Sarah Campbell-Brown, who will be a senior. So next year we should have an outstanding chance to win. The last time the girls won state was 2010, so we're looking forward to hopefully breaking through that next year. Our boys' team just started up last week, and – had our first scrimmage at Camden Country Club, which is 
Matt McCarley has over there, another former Gamecock, and um, golf course was in fabulous shape as always. And um, so we got off the season off the right foot. And we got a opening scrimmage win, and um, we're looking forward to having a. We got a last year's team won seven tournaments and um, set the 4A scoring record at state. Shot um, 565, which is mm. under par in golf, which is pretty darn good, and um, won by 40 shots which was really cool. And um, mm-hmm. and then the year before, we had won 11 tournaments in one state. So this year, we, we lost two All-State players. Luke Luke Sullivan is at South Carolina playing on the golf team, and Birch Harrison is at High Point University playing on their golf team. We returned all five of the guys at State last year, finished All-State, which is a really cool thing. I don't know if that's ever happened. It probably has, but you can't do any better than all five, all you guys finished All-State. And um, – and um, we returned three of those All-State fellows. Adam Hunt Cole, is a senior. He's committed to – he's a signee at the University of Illinois, which is an outstanding golf school these days, and a um, good university too, by the way. And, um, hmm. and Coleman Ferguson is a junior, and Charles Coffin is a sophomore. And all three of those guys are All-State returning players, and we've got a, six or seven guys behind him, a couple seniors, Will, Will Buffum, and um, – is one of those guys we're looking at, Thomas Lamar is a junior looking to mix in, so we should have an excellent chance to win this year. Our boys' state will be at North Augusta at the River Club, and that'll be in May, so that'll be right after the Masters. And they do a tremendous business, obviously, during Augusta, Augusta National Week. So the golf course will be in great shape. We played a couple of SCGA events down there that time of year, so it'll be overseeded and fabulous. So we should have a really good chance. And um, North Augusta finished second us last year at state, so they're looking to. Um, win as well so it should be quite a battle between north augusta greenville and florida in may middle may for state well one of the things coach that definitely appreciate uh what you do a lot some folks out don't realize uh in in golf we don't have that many golf experts that are coaching at the high school level a lot of the a lot of the schools do their best to get the golf experts in but it's really difficult it turns out to be Football coaches uh, doing the golf te- golf coaching or bo- basketball or whatever, and and uh, so golf's a little different. Most don't real most most may think you're teaching and coaching at AC four, but that's not quite the case. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Qu- I get that question. I get that question a lot for sure. And, um, what most? Yeah, you get what many might not. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, but many might not realize is the level of uh, golf expert you are. Uh, winning on every level in college, great success. Amateur golf, great success. Uh, especially you and your brother were, went to a stretch unbeatable. Unbeatable is uh, in the team category. And then, uh, so with your background, you create quite a culture but you're also you also walked into one that has quite a tradition in oh, ac floor speak oh, a little oh, bit yeah. about the culture in your at the in the ac floor okay well coach harry huntley thank you for those kind of words about my game and unfortunately it's not nearly what it once was but i came from a golfing family my dad was an outstanding player he bought david and myself up and exposed us to the game at a young age and that's invaluable and being around good players like you know my dad was like i said watched him play as a young age and learning from him and that helps tremendously and um 
and then being around so many great pros like yourself and learning from y'all guys. I remember playing with you when I was a little kid and just picking up on what the better players do. And my dad always told me, and I always tell these floor kids, I'm like, you know, play with people that are better than you. And, and then you don't want to play with people that you're going to beat up on. Play with people that are better than you and learn from them. It'll make you better in the long run. And about the floor program, yes, no doubt. They um, have quite a tradition of success. Harry Huntley coached that team for 16 years, and he asked me to um, help him with the girls' team when my daughter, oldest daughter Blair was playing on the golf team, and I helped him, and that's how I got involved with coaching. And then he asked me a couple years later to take over the boys' team when his son graduated because he had put in his time 16 years. And I think they won in those 16 years 10 state championships. And so they really had the ball. They really had it rolling and um, had a, you know, a tradition of success. And that's hard to, you know, once you get that tradition, everybody expects to win. It makes it, it still it's still not easy to win, but it makes it easier for sure. And um, hey. so when I stepped in, yeah, go ahead. No, no, Coach, uh, I was going yeah. to get you to. Now this is this is just loose talk. I can't bear. I can't uh-huh. validate this. Hmm. Uh, uh-huh. Just outside a locker room, but just inside of loose talk. <laughs> so uh-huh. Charles Warren you. used to take full credit for the starting of the tradition. And that, it, that, it's that, funny. That's I, true. There's some truth there. Well, I like to talk history. I love history, and there's nobody more fun to be in conversation with about golf than Charles Warren. Hmm. And yeah, man, can he that. mix it up? Uh, and again, you'll never believe who I got a text from today, and I hadn't heard from him in 30 years. Joey Graham. So Joey Graham was. Yep, I hadn't heard from him in a long time, but he was the pro there at Forest Lake when the tradition got started. And I mentioned Forest Lake. I'm not sure that's where you all play and practice anymore, but at one point in time I thought it was, and at least that's where Charles – I knew Charles played out of Forest Lake. So the uh, that seems like in the early 90s. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the, the team won in 70 and 71 with um, David Dupree and – Gus, Sylvan, and those guys, and then some around along the line, the golf team just didn't exist anymore. When I was playing high school golf in the 80s at Spring Valley, I don't think AC Floor had a team, and then Charles was at Hammond, Warren was at Hammond, went over to AC Floor in 1992, and they started the program up with the science teacher and Charles and a few of his buddies, and then Harry came along about the end of the 90s, they started winning state championships, so Charles did have a, a big hand in um, – starting that program back and um it's amazing where they've come from there he was our first charles was our first speaker at our annual fundraising the floor golf gathering that we do to raise funds for the girls and boys team and he talked about that and it was really neat and yeah of the 16 kids in the team this year most of them are forest lake kids we do play in practice at northwoods greg mcbride has been of the spur at northwoods excuse me i always get that i can't get that full name right but uh greg has out there and he is great and so supportive of us. And I always say the Spur at Northwoods is the 15th club in the bag of racing floor, the girls and boys team. We cannot do what we do without him. And um, between them with Harry getting it, you know, winning all those state championships, and then um, we've just had it rolling from there. And it seems like we have kids that want to come to AC floor to play golf because of the tradition of winning, which does make it easier for sure. The bad part about that is if you have kids trying out for the team and we have to cut some kids, which is terrible. You don't want to turn kids away from golf. I feel like when I tell a kid, 
sorry you didn't make the team. He's never going to never going to play again. So that's the bad part. And most high school teams, they don't have to go through the cut process, but unfortunately we do. But that's just part of life. And um, hopefully they'll, they'll that'll make them work harder and get better and come back the next year and try out. That's what we want them to do. We're trying to. I got involved in this to grow the game, not to turn kids away from it for sure. And that was kind of that's one of the reasons my wife encouraged me to do it. And, because I, I wasn't sure with the time commitment. I was like, I don't think I can do that. She goes, you should do that. That'll be fun for you and it'll be a way to give back to the game. And just like you do with all your junior kids, George, and and um, I've always had so much appreciation for you and all the club pros I've been around. I'm just trying to do my little part to help give back. Hmm. Hey, that's a that's a huge part. And I, thank you, Miss Dargan, for that word. Uh, one of the things that, that we've been talking golf, Phil, corn blue for over 30 years, mm-hmm. uh, or right at it, for sure. And don't, don't make right us sound so old, George, okay? Don't make us sound so <laughs> yeah. old. But, you know, in our radio, in our radio minds and voice, we, we can take it wherever we like. I mean, the better we, the, the more we're on the radio, the better we get, or the, certainly the better we used to be. We, mm-hmm. Robert, we yeah. are really good in radio golf. Yeah. Like, I never oh, missed yeah. a shot in radio golf. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, uh, I, know, I know the feeling. The, 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 but the Midlands has always seeded some of the best golf talent, not just around the state, not just around the southeast, not just in junior golf, not just in college golf. We're talking about in the whole country, in the world, and it's very unusual. I, I, think, I think that part of what the formula is right here in the Midlands, it's all over the state, but it's people like Coach Dargan, but we have others like you mentioned, Greg McBride. They also also mentioned Matt McCarley. Right around, I'm uh, texted today with Rock Lucas at Charwood. He's always been a huge supporter. Jimmy Cusa. I'm just going around the dial. Tom Mason. Oh, yeah. We've got two. we've got so many we've got so many good club pros around here. Clem King. Clem was when I was a freshman in South Carolina. He was the Golf coach for Virginia, he was, then he came to be the head pro at Wildwood, and we've been friends ever since. But there's so many good club pros that influence these kids in such a positive way. And, and um, you know, that was one of the main things. My biggest influence in golf growing up outside of my father were the, were the club pros. And, um, you know, just a, a little tip a little tip there, a little encouragement there. And, you know, there's not a lot of coaching in golf, really. I mean, you're more of an encourager. You're trying to I mean there's no shortcuts. You got to go work hard and earn it and dig it out of the dirt. And just like with most other sports, I'm sure. So all you can do is really put your hand around the kid and tell them, "Hey, I, I'm here for you." You're not, you know, when they, when they get down low and they feel bad about themselves, "Hey, you're you're a good player. Remember that. Never forget that." And when they get too high, sometimes you got to say, "Hey, you know, let's tone down a little bit. You know, we still got work to do." So, and that's I try to coach the kids the way my dad talked to me. Honestly, so my dad's passed away in 2005, and um, he had such a positive influence on my life that I always try to say, "What, what would I want? What, what would my dad say to me?" And that's what I say to these kids. And so far, so good. And um, and um, that's kind of way I, we try to go about things. And I do want to add one thing that uh, Mark Elam, who works for the South Carolina Junior Golf Association, is one of our coaches this year, and our coaching staff is. Second to none, really. I've got so much help. My brother David, who's a very good player, played at College of Charleston, is helping us this year. My daughter Blair, who played at Florida, she's finishing her master's at USC nursing, does all of our emails, communication, which is invaluable. 
I've got a former Falcon, four-time state champion, Willem Elliott, one of our assistants this year, and along with his father, Tom Elliott. So we have so much help, and I'm not doing it by myself. they got great parental support. The school's awesome. They support us everything that we do. We play a very aggressive schedule. We try to play some national events. And um, last year, Florida was ranked little, little old AC Florida and Forest Acres was ranked eighth in the country among mm. high school golf programs. Which I'm not sure how they come up with those rankings, but we'll take it. And, um, <laughs> and um, that, you know, that's pretty good. And um, that's something they can hang their hat on to be proud of. And um, it's really everyone and supporting these kids and and, um, and making it available to them to to do to do what they do. And um, one of the reasons for it has been successful, I think because we play a schedule to the second and none. And by the time state championship time runs around, turns around in May, these kids are battle-tested more so than most other schools, and that makes a tremendous difference. I mean, they've seen it all, and so now it's just go out there and do what we've been doing, and we take the whole year to get ready for state. And so that's kind of that's – kind of, that was Harry's philosophy, and I tried to adopt that because why change something that's working and, and we're keep doing it, and um, so far so good. Well, you're ranked uh, number one in the state in 4A. Bowling Spring is number one in 5A. You put 3A and and in the small division Oceanside, but I'm not sure. Bishop England's very good this year, too. Say that again? Bishop England is very good this year, too. They play. They're They play in the classification yeah. you all have the chance uh you'll be at southern cross i'm guessing and that'll be yes kind yes. of the open and and the true the true test to find out the best of the best would would be through the events like southern cross and there may be yeah. another one on the schedule where all the top teams meet but yeah we we have kind of uh, five we we have five majors that we kind of point towards one being Blythewood's tournament at columbia country Show called the parks hunter bingo tournament named after parks hunter young man he was a really outstanding player. He passed away prematurely of a heart condition. Great kid, great family, the Hutto family. His brother Matthew plays golf at Winthrop now. He's an outstanding young man. But all the good teams in the state play in that one. The Southern Cross, obviously, the Tournament of Champions down at Daniel Island that Bishop England puts on. It's an outstanding field. And then um, our state tournament. Those are our four majors that we really point towards and try to um, – Put our best foot forward, and then the um, Georgia South Carolina Cup, which takes the top eight teams in South Carolina, the top eight teams in Georgia. This year is at Greenwood at Stony Point. Um, we finished second that tournament last year, lost by a shot to a team named Westminster from out of Atlanta. I thought we were tied with three holes to go in that tournament, and we played the last three holes as a team, five under par, and we lost. So, <laughs> so we didn't Ooh. lose; we just got beat. And there's a big difference. Yeah, you got but, beat um, there, Coach. Yeah, sometimes you just get beat, and you shake the guy's hand and say, that was well done. And I thought, you know, we had it won. So that was – we're looking forward to getting back and hopefully winning that one. Flores won that one a couple times in the past. But that's the type of – you know, those are the really big high school tournaments around here. And then we're going to play in a national tournament, which is down at um, – it's called the High School Invitational. Um, it is put on by Golf Holiday down at Myrtle Beach. I think y'all guys are at the beach now, right? And – um and um, and then um, it's at True Blue Caledonia Tradition Club, and they'll get a 48-team field, which is a tr- tremendously large field from all over the country. So hopefully we'll see how we stack up there. That'll be the only bad part of that is that's the week of the Masters. So 
Mm. We'll be down at the beach playing golf during the Masters. But, you know, those are the sacrifices we make, right? <laughs> well, Coach, Coach, it's, uh, it's a lot of golf to talk about. We'll have you on. We'll, we gotta, uh, we got to keep this going, and you'll refresh us. But we're down to about 20 seconds. Uh, privilege yeah. having you part of the show. Appreciate you joining Thank us. you for having me. Look forward George, to our next George, visit. And Thank you, sir. And yes, sir. You guys are great. I'm, anytime I can come on, Phil, our Celtics are looking great. I'm feeling really good about it. And, good. Um, as, long as, we stay, as long as we stay healthy, I think we're good. I'm rolling with you, Coach. <laughs> I'm rolling with you. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hey, you, you have a good weekend, Coach, and I look forward to the next visit. Nami Robbie, have a good evening, weekend. I'll see you. I'll see you Sunday for the Carolina PGA show and see them high, but shoot them low. George, thank you very much. Robbie, thank you very much. Coach, thank you very much. Pat, thank you very much. Chris, from Tiger Woods, we thank you very much. (laughs) Absolutely. And we hope you have a good call tomorrow. I'll see you there tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.